Hello, welcome to the Influential Executive Podcast. This is Alexander Kene, right here from the studio in Amsterdam. And I present an interview with Simon Alexander on today. Simon is a typical example of somebody who started his career in a corporate job, decided to live on purpose, and now for several years has been building his business, building his brand as a coach, as a speaker, and he's been meeting some of the most amazing people, some big names, names that you've probably heard of as well. We speak about how to live a life on purpose, about the importance of being in the right environment, people you have around you, the environment that you move around in. He tells us some stories, the story of Thomas Edison, for example, things that he learned in the masterminds that he presented, the entrepreneurs he worked with, One thing that stood out for me is a small segment about the power of visualization. So here we go. Very cool interview. Very powerful. Simon Alexander Ong. This is it. If you're a purpose-driven individual, you want to grow, you want to learn, you're going to love what Simon has to say. Simon, welcome to the Influential Executive Podcast. Thank you, Alex, and great to be here with you. I'm very excited to dive into your story, both your personal story and everything you learned on the way. Because right now I see a lot of inspirational quotes come by on social media. You speak on big stages, but it wasn't always like that. I understand that you had a corporate career and at some Mm -hmm. point you decided to make a switch. What happened? Yeah, so I grew up a very shy Chinese uh, boy. A very sort of strict family upbringing, as you can imagine, high standards, high expectations uh, for for myself growing up. And I followed the route of my parents and previous generations and went into the corporate world. So I graduated from university in the summer of 2007. And I decided to begin my career, Alex, in the world of finance. Probably not the best time to start because this was a year before the financial crisis really started to take hold globally. And that first company was one that we all know, but not for the right reasons, uh, was Lehman Brothers. And that's where I began my uh, career in the financial industry. And it was a very surreal experience, uh, especially when it's your first job and you happen to start work in a company Uh, in which you are the last sort of class uh, before it ends up going into administration and bankruptcy. And I think the experience of the recession uh, started something in my mind. And I think one of those thoughts uh, was the fact that as long as I worked for someone, I was very much not in control of my destiny, of what I wanted to do. And there was always someone else Uh, who would be making decisions, whether that was restructuring the company, making redundancies, deciding on the strategic direction of the firm. And that would very much influence my own job security. And it it was this recession that catalyzed my thinking to actually, what do I want to do? Uh, And this was, believe it or not, this was the first time I really had the opportunity to think what I wanted to do. You know, so many of us know what we don't want. Uh, But when we often get asked, so what do you want to do in life? It's a simple but often quite complex question because we don't really spend time thinking about what we want to do. 
that it's not the easiest question to ask. Uh, and that's how it all started. It started from a period of self-reflection uh, of myself thinking what I wanted to do. So this, this switch uh, where you say, speak about taking control of your destiny, is that the same as deciding to live on purpose? Or is, is purpose, is there a small difference? I think it's probably the beginning part of uh, living on purpose. You know, one of the things I say, Alex, is that the purpose of life uh, or the purpose of living is living on purpose. It's a life of purpose. And that begins for me, well, from my experience, it begins by taking full responsibility for where you are and where you're going. Uh, there's so many of us in the world where we like playing the victim. Uh, you know, it's because of the economy, it's because of my partner, it's because of the situation, it's because of this, it's because of that. Where actually, if we can take full responsibility of where we are and where we're going, it moves us from a victim mentality and mindset to an empowered uh, mindset in which we can actually influence more that which is under our control. And so I think that is almost the first step of living on purpose, because if you are trying to live on purpose from a victim mentality, it's very difficult. You, you know, it's not really aligned. On one hand, you're blaming everyone but yourself. And on the other, you want to live on purpose. So you can't really have the two married together. Though. Yeah. Exactly. And if I look back at my own personal history and when I realized that I'm responsible for everything in my life, it, on the one hand, it created a lot of empowerment and opportunity. Mm. On the other hand, it was also quite stressful because it brought me into this stage of wanting all kinds of things and constantly pushing myself to do more and more and more. Mm. How did you experience this? Totally. I, how, I how did you is, experience this? Yeah, I think there is some pressure when you take full responsibility because now when you know it's down to you, uh, that's when I think the greatest uh, adventure begins. And that greatest adventure is a life of personal improvement, a life of personal development, which is integrated into your lifestyle, integrated to how you see your world and how you see yourself every day. And that's how I felt, Alex, when I first started. I felt, well, wow, there's a lot of pressure on, I want to do a lot of things. You know, I want to do this, I want to do that. Uh, but one thing I started to realize over time is it, improvement comes about also by what we focus on. Uh, you know, we touched on just before this about we have the ability to choose to focus on the positive or the negative. Now that can influence the actions we take, but also it comes down to what we focus on when we want to move forward. So for example, a lot of us focus on the outcomes. You know, I want to be healthy. I want to be fit. I want to earn more money. I want to grow my business. And a lot of these outcomes don't just happen because we have to switch our focus from the outcome and what we want, which is very difficult at the beginning. We have to switch our focus away from that and more on identity and habits. So for example, if you focus on integrating healthier habits, then naturally the outcome of being healthier will look after itself. If you focus on who you are, you know, am I making the choices? Am I seeing myself? Am I acting as the person I want to be? Then again, those outcomes, what you want, will, will take care of themselves. Uh, so it's really starting with identity. How do you see yourself? Who are you working to become? Uh, it's like the famous saying that it's not 
about making the million dollars uh, for the self-made people in this world. It's about who you must become in order to make the million dollars. You don't just make a million dollars by working harder. You've got to shift the way you see yourself first. And then the habits change, the choices change, and then everything else starts to look, look after themselves. Yeah, become that person. It reminds me of something I heard Bob Proctor say in one of his videos. And it sounded something like this. He said, every problem or every obstacle you face in life is essentially a problem with your self-image. Mm. Saying that, as you, as you explain here, it's all about who you are and the world around you is merely a reflection mm. of who you are in that moment. Now, have you integrated certain habits or rituals that helped you focus specifically on that person that you want to become? Totally. I think there's a couple of uh, habits that I've embraced. And I think for uh, those listening, I think when you think about habits, it's not about moving from A to B overnight. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. So whenever we think about new habits, it's about taking the tiniest step first that we can uh, in order to start changing. It's all these small tweaks, I would call it. So for example, uh, one of the habits I embraced at the beginning of this journey, which I, has become a bigger part of my daily life, is health. Uh, you know, health is our first wealth. If you're not healthy, if you're not sufficiently rested, uh, if your body's not functioning, then you can't do anything else. You, know, you can't do all the great things you want to do in this world. And so looking after your body actually helps you look after your mind. And so one of the habits I've embraced is doing exercise and work or a workout every single day. And if possible, at the beginning of the day. Because when I do that, it's kind of like my caffeine replacement. You know, I, I go to the gym or I do swimming or I do cycling. And the way your mind, the level of where your mind is after that workout is incredible. The way you approach the challenges the day may throw at you is so different to if you haven't had any exercise and insufficient rest. And so health was a, and has become for me a cornerstone habit. Uh, you, you know, talking about habits, for me, I, I consider what I call cornerstones or non-negotiable habits. These become the foundation of uh, the next level of your life. So for me, it was health was one of them. A second one was environment. Uh, you know, I'm a big believer that the quickest way to succeed in any area of our life and business is to consciously create an environment that makes it impossible not to succeed. And so with regards to environment, I started changing the energy because when you're around a certain environment, you experience, say, positive energy, uplifting energy. But when you're in a different environment, you might experience negative or draining energy. And so in practical terms, what I did is I started reading books that would nourish my mind, that would nourish my soul, my spirituality. Uh, I started listening to podcasts, audiobooks. I started watching educational content. Uh, so I wasn't just consuming uh, for no purpose. I was now consuming with purpose. You know, we talked about uh, living a life on purpose. So the actions, the choices I made had a purpose. Also, every week, my focus was on which new people could I meet and connect with 
who are doing amazing things regardless of what industries they're in, whether that's me connecting with them virtually or offline in person. Because not only do you grow your network, but there are incredible side benefits of that, some of which include different perspective, ideas, creativity, partnerships, opportunities. All of this is what can come about from consciously growing our network and environment. So the first was habits. Uh, sorry, the first was uh, uh, the healthy habits. The second was environment. And I think the third for me is really uh, taking action on the biggest tasks first, switching our focus, if you will, because I used to be, I'm not sure about you, Alex, or the listeners here. I used to be someone that when I sat down to do my to-do list is I would always begin by focusing on the easiest items first <laughs> and then say, you know what? I'll put the biggest one off until later in the day. And the problem with that is the more we put it off till later in the day, actually we don't do it until tomorrow or next week or next month. And that's because our energy declines as we progress through the day. And so what I did is I actually moved away from a to-do list because I found that is that often throughout the day, I can keep adding more and more items to my to-do list and it can grow bigger. So I condensed it to just three to four things that I would do every day. And it became a great exercise because it allowed me to focus on that which was most important. And I find that when we're clear on what's most important, productivity becomes easy. And when I start on that first, then whatever happens for the rest of the day, I already feel quite productive. Yeah. Very recognizable. And one thing that is often overlooked is that more value than actually doing those tasks is in the moment where you zoom out and you think about which are those three or four tasks. Because mm. simply deciding to work on one thing and wait with the other thing, that can double your productivity right there. One thought, one second double your productivity by strategically choosing which three or four items they are. Which questions do you ask yourself when you select those items? Totally. And, and so there's two parts. So first is sort of the process of stepping back and deciding which of those do I focus on today? And I think the second is what are the questions I reflect on in order to decide that? Yeah. And, and just addressing the first one, it kind of reminds me uh, of the saying that, very often we need to slow down in order to speed up. And there's a great story, I'm not sure you've come across this, uh, about Thomas Edison. And at the peak of his career, a little known fact is that he would take out a couple of hours every day to go fishing at his local lake. Now, the funny part of the story is that in all of his years of fishing, apparently he caught no fish. He caught no fish in his time of fishing. And so it was quite interesting because someone then asked him, uh, I'm really curious as to why you've not caught any fish. You've fished every day for the last few years. I'm really curious as to why you haven't caught any fish and why it's something you're proud of. And with a smile, Thomas Edison looked up at this man and said, well, it's because I use no bait. I use no bait on my fishing rod. And that means that no one disturbs me, not even the fish. And so he would use these moments every day as his so-called 
solitude, his quiet time, to do his thinking, to self-reflect. And so when he went back to the lab or his office, he would have all these creative insights, these ideas. And as anecdotal as it sounds, if we look back at the likes of Isaac Newton or Archimedes, Isaac Newton who sat under a tree, apple falling on his head, and he says he, he discovers gravity or Archimedes in the bathtub, the eureka moment. Now, these may or may not be true, but I think they illustrate a concept of they weren't working when they came up with these creative ideas. Yeah. And for us today, it might be when we are on a long-haul plane flight with no distractions, and we suddenly have all these creative insights when we're not thinking about anything. Uh, and I think that touches on the idea that more comes to our mind more comes to the mind that is still calm and relaxed than one that is always busy and switched on. And the second part, looking at the questions I ask myself when I kind of decide which of the tasks are the most important to focus on, is probably two questions that come to mind. The first is when I start each day, I ask myself, how will I know that by the end of today, when I'm back lying in my bed, that I've had a productive day. So how will I know that by the end of today, I will have had a productive day? So that's the first question which gets me thinking. And the second one is, what choices would I make today if I was already the person I want to be tomorrow? Cool. And I think those two questions set a nice scene for focus for the day because then you kind of think okay how will i know i'm productive some ideas will come from that what choices would i make if i was already the person i want to be tomorrow and again there might be a couple other ideas that come from that and then that helps to narrow down a, a potentially big list into some core focal areas that you can address today yeah very cool and here's uh, some, some extra sauce, something I learned from Carissa Jones, a lady I met one and a half years ago. And she's the author of the first ever written book, as far as we know, with only positive words. Mm -hmm. She believes in the power of the word. And she says, indeed, narrow it down to three, four, max five mm. activities during the day. And then when you've defined them, ask for each and every one of them how can I make this a 10-star experience? Mm. I not like that, that, Alex. Now that I anyway sit down and work on this, or now that I'm anyway going to talk to this person, how can I play around with the settings, the environment, to make it a 10-star experience? And ever since I started to apply that, it has made my life so much richer. Because mm. often it's just a few small tweaks. I like that. that. And I think we, we touched on that earlier, Alex, the sort of so-called small tweaks because, you know, uh, to-dos or goals or things that we're working on, they can often, if we just end up repeating them or we sort of write them down and just think, okay, I've got to do that. Sometimes it might feel like a chore. But if we can think, how can we make it fun? How can we make it an experience? Then what happens is we want to do more of it. So, for example, if... Uh, yeah, for me, Sunday every week is my planning day for the week ahead. So if I'm going to plan my week ahead, it's not just a question of sitting down, writing some things down and reflecting, but how can I make that experience enjoyable? So it could be changing my environment. So I might decide to 
do my self-reflection and planning in a beautiful hotel, the lobby of a beautiful hotel or a beautiful library or a beautiful space that's inspiring or because it's in the summer, maybe I'll do it on somewhere that has a roof garden or terrace. And what happens is your senses get immersed in the environment and that can also spark some ideas and insights in the moment. Yeah, very nice, very nice. You've been a speaker uh, for a while. You've been uh, traveling, going places. I'm sure you've been to many more special places than when you were still employed and you were traveling to the office and back home every day. Now, who are some of the most interesting people you've met over the past years? So over the past few years, I've met, you know, pleasure to meet some very uh, different, interesting and inspiring people. Uh, the first person I would say I, I've met who was interesting and, and I, I still continue to learn a lot from him uh, is a guy called Bob Berg. Uh, Bob Berg co-authored uh, the Go-Giver series of books uh, with John David Mann. And for me, he's one of the best speakers that I've seen live. Uh, even on video and even on YouTube. He has the ability to, uh, I guess, take complex concepts and communicate them in a way that you always find yourself nodding your head with whatever he says and a way to inspire you through uh, concepts we all know well but often need reminding of. So I think he's the first one that comes to mind. Berg, how do I spell his surname? Sure. So Bob Berg's surname is B-U-R-G. Uh, so B-U-R-G. And he's most famous for uh, co-authoring the Go-Giver series of books. The first one that I ever read from, from his series was The Go-Giver. Uh, and, uh, and that has been influential and instrumental on the philosophy of the way I run my business. Uh, and so that was a very influential experience for me. Uh, the second is a fellow Simon. Uh, so it's Simon Sinek. And uh, I was in New York and we were talking together about his new book that is coming out later this year called The Infinite Game. And it was quite interesting because we talked about the same concept, but in different ways. You know, for me, I talk about it in the way of maintaining that white belt mentality. You know, I grew up learning martial arts very stereotypically because I'm Chinese. And so I grew up learning martial arts. And so my term for it is maintaining a white belt mentality or beginner's mind because when we remain an eternal student then we can always adapt evolve and change as the environment adapts as well and simon sinek talks about the same thing but under the umbrella of the infinite game realizing that it's not about winning or losing it's about thinking with an infinite mindset Sure. And I kind of like that way of approaching the way we live and also the way of work there. And I think the third person that comes to mind is just recently uh, here in London last Friday, uh, I did a talk with Peter Jones and Peter Jones is one of the dragons on a TV show here in the UK called Dragon's Den. And I think there are equivalents in countries around the world in the US. Uh, their version is Shark Tank with the likes of Mark Cuban and other entrepreneurs. And from him, it was, it was just inspiring sort of his dedication to business, uh, giving back. You know, the event I spoke with him at uh, was him setting up a foundation 
to teach entrepreneurial skills to the next generation, to teenagers and students, and to run competitions by giving away, in total so far, over a million pounds of his own money to these students to help them grow their business and also to teach them on the skills required to make an impact in society. Very cool. Must be special to meet these people. In incredible. And I think it touches on one of the habits I, I mentioned earlier about environment and always meeting new people every week. And even just you know, the, the time I had, the short time I had together with each of these people has the power to affect us mentally and plant ideas and seeds of what can be possible. And often that's what's needed, isn't it? It's that often we have limits in our minds, but when someone shows us what's possible, it just changes the architecture of our mind and what we see can be real in our life there. And I think sometimes we need that, that experience uh, to, to open, open those doors. Yeah. If I speak from my own experience meeting these uh, higher profile people, the one thing that always stood out to me is the realization that, hey, they're just a normal human being. They're a person just like me, just like you, just doing their best, just sometimes winging it, sometimes being strategic. But, you know, if it works for them, if they get to where they have gotten, then anyone can. Because often mm. it's just common sense. Totally, totally. And I'll tell you what, Alex, meeting, meeting these people has, has taught me a valuable lesson. And I think the greatest lesson I've learned is that ultimately in life, our value will be judged by how much more we have given to this world than we have taken from it. How much more we have given to this world than we have taken from it. And when you look at these great successes, whether they are individuals or whether they are organizations, uh, the ones that are most successful over the long term that are sustainably successful are the ones that place value at the heart of what they do. So when you think of the, the likes of Bob Berg or Simon Sinek, for example, the value that they give through the books that they've written, through the talks that they've delivered, uh, through saying yes to opportunities to help people from less privileged backgrounds, to sharing the message with as many people as they can, that is value. Or Peter Jones, for example, setting up a foundation, setting up an enterprise academy, uh, taking time out of his day and week uh, to go and meet these students, to talk to these students, to inspire them. That's the value he's bringing. And the same thing is with organizations. The organizations that add the most value into our everyday life are the ones that prosper over the long term. Yeah, yeah, totally. So speaking of value, I read a testimonial on your website in which somebody called you pure genius. So this was an entrepreneur who visited um, a high-level mastermind where you were leading a workshop, which was not only about personal habits, also about business strategies. And this person was especially excited about some business strategies that you generated together. And mm. um, like, I, I like to make this more specific also for everyone listening, you know, the realization that a business is built in your mind, not with your hands, it's built in your mind first. So the ability to ask the right questions, make new connections, find those small tweaks is more than anything else a predictor of your business success. 
can you share one or two examples of a business owner who you've helped mm. identify some of those tweaks that just open the door to a whole new realm of possibilities? Sure. And one thing I will say for anyone here running uh, a business is something I learned from the beginning. And this is why I do a lot of uh, training and coaching with entrepreneurs, startups, uh, and those in business now is that when I first started, I thought, yeah, if I'm a great coach, if I'm a great speaker, fantastic. You, you know, I, I can build a great business. But how wrong I was, uh, because I realized that being good at what you do doesn't mean you're going to be a great business person. And so, yes, you've got to spend, say, 50% of your time mastering your craft, being good at what you do and how you deliver it. But then you have to dedicate the other 50% to learning how to build a business learning how to market, to sell, to develop an idea and grow it. And so that's why I started learning a lot about myself, a lot about the business side. And so helping people like the testimonial you referred to on my website there. And I think one of the first areas that I think we have to focus on if we are looking to grow a business, as you said, Alex, it begins in the mind because we must win in the mind before we win in reality. And if you think about all the services and products we use and that we benefit from today, every one of those began in the seed of an idea in someone's imagination. And so if I look at my uh, business, for example, I'm in a service-based industry. And one of the advice I give to new aspiring entrepreneurs is to forget the outcome. Uh, you know, there's a saying that goes, the best way to sell is not to sell. And so rather than focus on converting after your first meeting, focus on building a relationship. And they're very two different mindsets. If you focus on the sale, if you focus on converting in that first meeting or first experience, guess what? That is the same as proposing marriage on the first date that you go on with someone. Well, it's going to be rare someone's going to say yes to marriage on a first date, right? And so that is the equivalent of us going in for a conversion after the first meeting. But focus more on building a relationship and being absolutely <laughs> present. Listen, understand their challenges, understand who they are. You're one of the experiences that so few of us get to enjoy in our lifetime is the experience of having felt truly deeply listened to. Yeah. And if you can give that to someone in a meeting to open a relationship, you create an experience they'll never forget. And I think this is where a lot of business has moved towards in today's society. It used to be about information. You know, if you go back pre-internet, uh, it was just TV, radio, and paper advertising. And the, the way that businesses communicate, it will be, I don't know, it could be 100 euros or sale, 50 euros just for next week. And it was pushing the sale onto you. And it was informing you about what a product or service is. In today's society, that doesn't work as effectively. Today, people want an experience. And it's the experience that sells. So if you look at an Apple advert, for example, it, you'll find it very hard to find pricing or product details anywhere in an Apple advert because what they focus on is the Apple experience. 
you know, the enjoyment of people taking photos on their iPhone or the enjoyment of being part of the Apple community. Or if you look at GoPro, uh, GoPro as a product, if you look at it on paper, shouldn't work as a business. It shouldn't work because what it offers you as a product is a camera and a video camera. Now you've already got that. You've got that on your smartphone. You might already have it on your SLR camera if you own an SLR camera. So why do you need another device that does something you already have available to you? Knowing that, GoPro focuses on creating experience. So if you look at some of the GoPro ads on YouTube, you might not see a GoPro product anywhere in the advert. But what you see is a compilation of user-generated content of how people have used the GoPro to capture incredible memories and experiences and adventures. And that's how they use it to draw you in to purchase the product, knowing that we purchased on emotion and justify logically after. Yeah. So I think that's one advice is to focus on building relationships first rather than focusing on selling straight away. Yeah. And then I think the second is, you know, to experiment is to experiment, not to be overattached or rigid in how we go about business because we're in a world now in which it's so easy to experiment with different ways. You know, whether you want to experiment with video, social media, speaking, writing a book, uh, being interviewed. There's all these different ways that we can experiment to create channels where people can have that experience of what we can provide. And so when I worked with this person in question that we uh, discussed a testimony earlier, it was understanding what's most important for that, for that person's business. And this is where you know, Stephen Covey touched on this in one of his chapters in the seven habits of highly effective people which was begin with the end in mind. Why does your business exist? Oh, fantastic. Why does your business exist? What is the purpose of your business? Now, once we know that, it gives context to what we can experiment with, what we can try in order to have the impact that we want to have there. Yeah. Uh, experimentation is a crucial part of the infinite game as well. Because... Mm. It, it took me years, years of, of, of observation and moving around in business world, in corporate and startup world and between entrepreneurs and freelancers and observe and pay attention to realize this one simple thing is business is all about the relationships we have. Mm. We, we exist by virtue of our relationships. The relationships give you more security than anything else. You, you may have an employment contract somewhere, but when there's a big reorganization, of course you get some money, but then you're done. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have great relationships, it will only take you a few phone calls to land your next job. So which is more important, the contract or the relationships? Mm -hmm. Once I realized that, and I started to focus on building those relationships where it feels right, with the people who are enthusiastic and committed, I figured out that's what the infinite game is about. It's about walking together, finding those people that are somewhat moving in the same direction and see how you can enhance each other's flow. Totally, Alex. It, it, 
it's like the saying goes, we never get to the top alone. We never get to the top alone. And it's when we surround ourselves with those people that challenge us, that will support us in our journey and hold us to a higher standard, then we are always growing. Uh, you know, I've often discussed with friends and clients that success isn't really a destination. Uh, and this touches again on this concept of the infinite game. Success isn't a destination because then what? What happens next? What tends to happen is complacency creeps in. We become more complacent. We, rather than remind ourselves what it took to get us there, we enjoy the rewards. We enjoy what it brings. But we end up stopping the hard work that it took us to get there. However, for me, success is more lifestyle. Success is how we show up every day, how we contribute, how we learn, how we grow, how we serve. And success is about that, is how are we living every day that we are alive? Because if that becomes part of who we are, then we just keep growing. And if we're being better than who we were yesterday, that for me is progress. It's about being better than who we were yesterday, not others. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, remember exactly when I started my personal development journey. It's about uh, 11 years and uh, five months ago today. And I just started on that journey because I wanted to grow in a specific area. And as I experienced that growth, I started to feel differently. Started to feel more confident, calmer. And I realized that I can do this in any area of life. All I need to do is figure out what I want, find world-class information, try it out, experiment, and do it over and over and over and over so that it gets integrated into my system. Mm. Now, 11 years later, the place where I am today, and I'm mostly speaking about my inner world, it is so way beyond anything I ever thought possible. Because a whole new world opened up to me. And I remember myself speaking to, to my friends, people around me on New Year's Eve, looking back, saying, this has been the most beautiful year of my life. For six, seven times in a row. Because <laughs> as you grow, there's just constantly new opportunities, new experiences opening up that you never knew exist. Mm. Did you experience the same? Yes. It's it's a beautiful experience. And it reminds me of this sort of momentum effect. You know, once we build momentum in whatever area of our life it is that's most important. So whether you are currently working on growing your wealth or building stronger relationships or growing your career or scaling your business or upgrading your life, once you start building momentum and you start to see the benefits you never want to go back to where life was before that. And there's a great quote by Indian philosopher Patanjali in which he said, when you are inspired by some great purpose, some extraordinary project, all your thoughts break their bonds. Your mind transcends limitation. Your consciousness expands in every direction and you find yourself to be in a new, great and wonderful world. Dormant forces, faculties and talents awaken And you discover, just like you and I have, Alex, uh, to be a far greater person than we ever imagined ourselves to be. Yeah. 
Yeah, what what made a, a huge difference for me is when I found the book. Yeah, it's right here behind me, Power Versus Force by David Hawkins. And what he does in the book is he presents a model with different levels of consciousness. Mm. Um, all the way at the bottom, being in guilt and shame, you know, where the world feels so small, you almost don't want to exist. To where the world starts to expand, where you start to desire things, dare to be angry, feeling pride, taking full responsibility. And as you move up this ladder, it's not really a ladder, but it's better than the corporate ladder, I realized. <laughs> what if I focus on climbing this one and plotting my growth on that framework? gave me insight in, in how this whole life thing works and growth thing works like nothing ever did. Mm -hmm. And with regards to this sort of ladder, my sort of experience, Alex, uh, is it's a process, right? And a lot of us want to lead others, whether we want to become a manager, a business uh, owner, or whatever position in which we are responsible for other people. But actually, it, when we think about leadership, if we want to lead others, it begins with powerfully leading ourselves. You know, we powerfully lead ourselves first. And then as we move up in this ladder, our focus is then on others. How do we serve and add value to the lives of other people? You know, the great analogy comes from when you go flying. And when you go on the flight, you have the health and safety at the beginning of a flight when it takes off. And what they tell you is that when the oxygen masks come down, tend to yourself first before tending to others. And that's because if you try to tend to others without sorting yourself out first, there's only so many people you can help before you lose your oxygen. But if you put your oxygen mask on first, then you can help as many people as you want. You're in a much better place and situation to help other people. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite helpful to be egocentric first, even though that's mm. not what we learn in school. <laughs> <laughs> There's one specific concept I'd like to spend a few minutes on, and then we'll be entering uh, the, the final round, the, the rapid fire question round, where I'm gonna put you on the spot. Fantastic. Very short answers. First, the concept that I wanna highlight here is the concept of visualization. Mm. It's a word we hear over and over and over, and frankly, I haven't heard anyone really explaining it well. Mm. so you offer a free visualization guide mm. on your website because it's important for leaders mm. now what do leaders need to understand about visualization i think the key with visualization is understanding that to achieve anything we have to win and see it in the mind before we can do so in reality the mind has to arrive at the destination in the mind before we feel it in reality. So for example, uh, when we book a holiday, let's say we book a two week holiday to somewhere exotic and it's going to be a nice break from the everyday. Now, even before we've taken the holiday, we are excited. We can't wait to go on the holiday. Why? Because we are visualizing what it's going to be like. We visualize the beach, the cocktail, the sunglasses, the travel, the uh, tourists are seeing the destinations. We, we look at YouTube videos, uh, what it's like to be like at that city. We look at TripAdvisor recommendations. So what visualization does is it makes it feel real.
it makes uh, whatever we're working towards feel more possible and it opens up what we can do in reality and it's also uh it's also interesting because it's the concept that allowed roger bannister to achieve what he achieved in 1954. you know before 1954 everybody sports people doctors physicians they said it is impossible for the human body to run a mile in under four minutes. And then in 1954, Roger Bannister breaks it in under four minutes. And then a year after that, lots of other people around the world suddenly break four minutes. And in response to how he did that, Roger Bannister responded by saying, I've actually done it thousands and thousands of times. And the reporter simply said, but we've not witnessed it. And he said, in my mind, I broke four minutes in my mind thousands and thousands of times because he was running through the scenario of breaking that record again and again and again. And so the concept of visualization is simply accessing imagination. And imagination for me is where the greatest ideas have started from. So when we visualize something, we connect all of our senses to that event. You know, what it feels like to be exactly where you want to be in life, doing the things you want to do, what you would be telling yourself, what people would be telling you, what you would be noticing, what you can see in that moment. And what happens is as you begin to bathe yourself in that feeling, the sounds, the, the visuals, the feeling, you become more and more connected to that vision. So what it does is it connects your conscious and your subconscious towards that vision and so unlocks the filtering system that our brain has to allow opportunities to come through. You know, I read in a, in, in a book once that we, the human mind has over 60,000 thoughts a day or we're exposed to over 60,000 thoughts from the smallest thought to the most important thought. Now, of course, we can't process all of that. And so we need to give our minds things to focus on. And the process of visualization allows the mind to focus on what we feed it. And if we feed it certain visions, certain things that we're working towards, the person we want to become, what we want to achieve, then naturally we're giving the mind something to focus on bringing into our everyday life. So if, for example, you are looking for, you know, you're looking to purchase a red car, then suddenly when you travel, when you walk around the city or place you live in, you start seeing red cars all around you. Now, it's not that the red cars were never there. It's now you are allowing that to come into your system. You're noticing that because you've given that to your subconscious that you're visualizing what it's like to drive a red car, to own a red car. So I think that's the power of visualization. Yeah, super cool. Super cool. And I'm, I'm also still playing around with the concept, you know, it's, yes, visualization is great. And at first you, you tend to apply it on the big projects. Like you mentioned, going on vacation, you start to visualize, okay, I want it like this, like this, like this. What I realize is that the same applies when I visualize how I will make my core tasks for tomorrow, a 10 star experience. Mm-hmm. So, so this, this podcast interview, I've experienced it several times over in my mind. I, it's not like I sat down and meditated on it, but in these idle moments, I knew what was going to come today. 
So I knew I want to have my full time and attention, my full focus when I'm here with uh, Simon. I knew that this room tends to be hot. So I better open the windows half an hour in advance to get the fresh air in. Mm. I knew I need some additional lighting, a place to take notes, a nice cup of coffee. And by simply visualizing that first, I set up the environment so that right now, everything I need is within arm's reach. We're having a nice conversation and there's nothing on my mind except being present right here, right now with you. Amazing, Alex. Are you ready for the rapid fire question round? I'm ready when you, I'm looking forward to this. So here's the one and only rule. The challenge is to answer every question with one word. One, one word. word. One word Fantastic. alone. I may make an exception um, for a word like Rolls Royce, you know, when two words mm. really belong together. So I'm going to start with a few one word questions and then a few uh, regular questions. First word, leader. So just to make sure I've got this right, Alex, so you just say something and I respond with one word. That's right. Okay. So leader, the word that comes to mind, inspiring. Productivity. Efficiency. Team. Community. Freedom. Ownership. Creativity. Innovation. Spirituality. Life. Dream. Vision. Free time. Playtime. Sport. Health. What is the best self-help book? The one that made the biggest impact on you? The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. A classic, but a book I've reread again and again and again. Always an incredible source of wisdom and knowledge. Nice one. It's been years since I read it. Cool <laughs> to bring it up. Very cool. What is the most beautiful organization that is currently operating on our planet? The one that comes to my mind and probably uh, it's going to be biased to those I've had experiences with because I can't comment on other ones is probably Mind Valley. Uh, Mind Valley is the one that comes to mind because they are very transparent to how they are upgrading their culture, uh, bringing people together, but also serving something greater than just making money uh, in their company. Yeah, cool. What is your favorite spare time hobby? I would say travel and film. Uh, I enjoy those two always come top. I uh, always find myself watching some great films with my wife and I'm not constrained to Hollywood, but the world, world films from Japan to Germany, to Australia, to France and travel. Travel is incredible in terms of giving us greater perspective and understanding. Yeah. What's currently on top of your bucket list? Currently on top of my bucket list. I would say it's a big one, but it's a massively inspiring one. 
is to share my thoughts and wisdom at the World Economic Forum. Awesome. Well, you know, all you need to do is start visualizing and path will show itself. Exactly, exactly. I, I visualize that all the time. Super cool, super cool. Final question. What is the most inspirational movie you've ever seen? The most inspirational movie I've ever seen? I would probably say uh, The Pursuit of Happiness based on the true story of Chris Gardner. Uh, I came out of that movie feeling so inspired, so moved, uh, but also that any one of us has the resources to achieve everything we want in life if we focus on the right thing. So in the film, it was less a lack of resources and more resourcefulness. So how can we be more resourceful? And it, it's incredible. It made me think from... I can't afford something to how can I afford something? I can't do something to how can I do something? And so a simple shift in words that we use to speak to ourselves can have an incredible difference. Uh, and something I think we, we forget is the person we speak to the most in our lifetime is ourselves. Yeah, 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 definitely. Thank you very much. That was a rapid fire question round. Now, before we close off and I want to know where listeners can follow you, I'm very excited about the journey that you're on. Now, beside your bucket list item of the World Economic Forum, what is currently the biggest project that you're working on? So I'll say there's, there's two. The first is uh, I'm working on co-authoring a book. Uh, so that's a, a new exciting challenge for me. I've never written a book before i've been featured in books but never written one myself so that's the first thing i'm working on and the second project which may be of interest to the audience listening is recently i launched an online uh, community uh, which is a private facebook group uh, in which i go live every week to answer your questions uh, i do visualization activities in there so just leading on to what we were discussing earlier about visualization and also sharing insights, tips and wisdom around not just life, but also business. And if it's something that you would be interested to learn more about, you can find out more on my website and just clicking the link at the top called community. What, what type of people uh, do we find in that group? So the type of people you find in there are those who are committed uh, to embracing personal improvement. And notice I use the word committed because there's a big difference between interest and committed uh, commitment. If you're only interested, well, you're only going to put 50% of your effort in. And that means you can only ever expect 50% of the results. But if you're committed to something, you move on to how. How am I going to do it? How am I going to start moving forwards? You've told the mind, I will do this. I'm going to take part and I'm going to contribute. And that's a big difference. It's the people you find there are those who are committed to reading my recommended reading list, participating in my lives, and taking on the challenges that the group or I set so that they can progress and be better than who they were yesterday. Very cool. Sounds like a cool community to be part of. Thank you, Alex. Where do people go? How do they find a Facebook group? Um, do you have a newsletter? Do you, uh, do you use social media? 
Yeah, so if you want to join the newsletter and learn more about the uh, community, so go to my website, which is simonalexanderong.com, S-I-M-O-N-A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R-O-N-G.com, and you can subscribe to the newsletter there and click the link called community to learn more about the group. If you use social media, uh, you can find me on Instagram on the handle at Simon Alexander O. And that handle is also the same uh, for my Twitter account. Uh, and if you prefer video, uh, I also have a YouTube channel. So you can watch uh, some videos I've put up there, uh, as well as some highlights of talks uh, I've done over the last year. Brilliant. Sounds like there's something for everyone. <laughs> I'm going to also mention all these uh, links and handles in the show notes so that they're easy to find. For now, Simon, thank you so much for being part of the podcast, for sharing all your insights, your wisdom. I very much enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, Alex, for having me and I uh, hope you and the listeners enjoyed it. And that was Simon Alexander Ohm. He speaks with such a calm voice, clarity, confidence, these are the signs of a good speaker. I love how we went a few layers deeper. So we didn't only stick with the habits like, yeah, it's good to meditate and to set goals and to make a planning and to exercise and work at your health. No, we went a few layers deeper into how do you speak to yourself? What do you focus on? Value first, building relationships, daring to experiment. This is where the real magic happens. So what is it that you take from this interview today? What is that one thing that stood out that you're gonna experiment with right now, here, today? So start visualizing as of this point. This interview was sponsored by Win Mastermind. That is my project, that is my thing, that is my purpose, is to collect purpose-driven entrepreneurs, people with huge growth ambitions and an open mind and an open heart, people who understand the value of giving, of sharing. That's who we collect in the network with the only purpose to help each other grow, to give. Because we understand that when you give more, you receive more. And it's all about creating beautiful experiences, not only for ourselves, but for everybody around us. Stay in touch with Simon Ong. You heard him. You can find his newsletter on simonalexanderong.com. That's where you can also find more information on his private Facebook group, where he works with individuals, people just like you, to work on their personal development. There's Instagram and Twitter at Simon Alexander Ong, and you will also find him on YouTube. That's it for now. I wish you a beautiful day. Let's all go out and create beautiful experiences for ourselves and everybody around us. Mm -hmm.